Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Danny, as always, your host with uh, Fandom Sessions, produced by Geek Network. Today we are doing a crossover episode with Cowie from Techno Snobs. And to be precise, it is Carlos Cowie Flores. And we hail from the same hometown, which uh, we won't mention. But how you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm feeling great, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, I know you and I have talked about uh, doing this for a bit. And I don't know, a little nervous, a little excited, a little bit uh, curious about what you want to pick my brain about. So There's a lot of things that um, <laughs> finally happy you know to make this happen so again i'm glad that you are taking the time to make this happen um just to pick your brain a little bit just to start off with um you know why techno um and everyone says that techno is dead so you know just gotta start off with that yeah, uh, I have heard that before. Uh, techno's not dead. I think it goes through these waves of dormancy. Um, and even when it is in those dormancy waves, it doesn't completely go dormant. It, it goes into the underground. And um, I know you have questions about that later. We'll, we'll elaborate later. But um, Techno's always been there, man. I mean, I think it was uh, 1986 when you know, drum machines became prevalent mm -hmm. in Detroit and techno became the cousin to, to house music and they've been rocking since and it's had its peaks, it's had its valleys and right now it's kind of at a peak. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, even a lot of house DJs are starting to play the harder sounds that yeah. characterize techno. So, I mean, uh, uh, I always, you know, quote laid back Luke, but laid back Luke has been doing a couple of sets that have just been like tech house and just pure techno. And, you know, uh, he's, uh, he did some hard style and he did some, some house music. So yeah, I see the point to that. Yeah. hundred percent laid back. Luke's been in the game really long, so I'm sure he can dominate any genre he wants. Uh, he's a good DJ in general so and i used to yeah i used to rock with this stuff in the 2010s you know with his uh big house and big room house stuff it, i mean he's awesome yeah absolutely and so before we go any further how did you uh get started with the whole dj thing well i was listening to hard house back in the late 90s uh and i was probably in my i was in sixth grade or junior high I, I'm pretty sure I was in sixth or fifth grade and I've always had I've always been uh, drawn to the harder sounds if we want to call it that but uh, yeah I I've never really stopped listening to electronic music um, and and they've always you know I've always leaned towards more harder sounds and and I've always sort of messed around with mixing. I used to have like little shitty controllers back in the day. <laughs> um, once pandemic hit, man, we were, you know, I know some people got really good at banana bread. Uh, I know a, a friend that picked up, you know, uh, airplane models. I picked up 
DJing, like really serious DJing, because I, I was messing around with it prior to the pandemic and uh, just ran with it, man. I just spent hours a day mixing anything and being creative. And that was my at home thing. I was in quarantine, you know. I'm sure you, you remember those days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, hard. Kind of easy to get interviews here and there with uh, comic book creators, you know, not a problem. But everybody else, just kind of hard not, you know, finding what what to exactly do. And, you know, you said uh, you and uh, three other friends picked up uh, the, the decks and started uh, DJing, if I remember correctly, as well. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. My So I kicked it off with... I. I have a cousin that lives in China. Uh, it wasn't Wuhan, but it was uh, it was near Wuhan. It was a big city near Wuhan, and he, yeah, he he was kind of giving me warning signs like, "Hey, dude, get ready! Like, it's gonna get locked down." I'm like, "Are you sure?" Like, he's like, "Yeah, I haven't left my apartment in a few months or whatever." I saw that coming, and me and these three friends were, um, sorry, these two friends would 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 frequent shows together a lot so i just you know what fuck it i'm gonna buy uh ddj 400 because that's what was the entry level but not mickey mouse type of controller at the time and it still kind of is a standard from what i hear um and i bought it and we started mixing and then guess what boom we we got locked down so yeah um it was eric and and uh, jennifer we we all each bought our own 400s and sort of challenged ourselves to let's see who gets better and we all kind of went our own different ways in terms of genres and styles but one thing was that yeah we all kind of mixed together it was great it was like a it was like a passion project that we were doing as friends Mm -hmm. so um once the pandemic kind of started to be once things started to get better, we would meet up and then like showcase different skills that we all picked up kind of on our own or YouTube, whatever. And yeah, it was awesome. Then we would throw our little like parties. Um, we did like a mimosa night or mimosa day drinking, which is the best, by the way. I remember. I had to bring those back because <laughs> mimosa, mimosas during the day with like dope beats it's 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 a different it's a different level it's he all so switched much that was a lot of that it's was awesome. a that's a memory you know oh for sure <laughs> yeah but anyway that's how we started that's how we got serious you know it's me and my buddies basically being bedroom djs until the pandemic uh stopped yeah and with um you know with the pandemic uh covid going on uh and with you know that not really existing anymore uh how did you really come up into the the whole uh music scene good question i i was a bedroom dj pretty much for a while but a pretty serious one i was mixing every day i was um playing different tracks every day I remember back then I was doing even drum and bass for just to challenge myself and, and mix. See, like you, you have to mix it a lot different than techno. Mm-hmm. My primary focus was always techno. So I would sort of reach out um, 
very very shy by the way like in terms of my my art and if, we, if you would call this art um to reach out to local promoters and uh i think at the time the underground stuff was big because of covid but the desert parties were booming so oh yeah i played a couple desert parties um literally just by reaching out and like hey man like i like what you're doing let me help you out i come in and set, help you set up blah blah i did a few of those i didn't really like them i think they were kind of unorganized and the sound wasn't great and the equipment you know was would have a lot of issues a lot of times like, mm. you know um but i kind of got the exposure of playing live through desert shows um and then um, a good buddy, mutual friend of ours, actually, Alejandro, tagged me on a Facebook post for <laughs> Techno Snobs looking for, hey, we're looking for local art as a showcase. And he tagged me. And I always, I, I had been going to Techno Snob shows for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, listening to their locals, local DJs. They, those guys were legends in, in our community. Yeah. And... Uh, once he tagged me, he's like, oh, I better just send them my last one. You know, like I, did, I don't want to do this, but I'll just send it and see what happens. And they ended up liking it, man. And nice. I think July or June of 2021, they gave me my first shot at the decks at Scarlet Lounge, mm-hmm. which was the hub for a while. On Scarlet Friday Lounge night, is Scarlet awesome. Lounge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Now we, we got kicked out or <laughs> we, we lost the residency there. Um, I wouldn't say we got kicked out. That's that's just the way that I exaggerated a lot. But uh, we lost the residency there, and yeah, but it was awesome, man. We had nine 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 nines there. Yeah, um, and there's had, one coming back. We can plug later. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we got plenty of shows coming up uh, with Techno Snobs. But I mean, we've we sold out that room. I, we would sell it out at least three to four times a year. It was nuts. Oh uh, whoa. I, I could you could feel the floor sort of shake and uh and that's kind of where I started to cut my teeth man I I started to cut my teeth in that room playing for smaller crowds um yeah and then learning and kind of tuning my sound which you know at first I really thought I did know what sound I wanted and what what I wanted to gear towards um it's not like you find you educate yourself through so many more gigs and exposure to techno to different artists and i'm really finding i think um my lane uh, a little bit now i'm taking more of a different turn but yeah anyway that's kind of how i got started <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> no you're good we love the long stories but yeah. uh the other thing too is um you brought it up so i have to ask uh before you i just for uh the younger generation uh, sent your uh, mixtape in. Like, what was causing those uh, insecurities? Um, good question. I think, you know, so you and I grew up in the same environment. We're mm-hmm. from a small town, border town. We won't yeah. say where because not that Security we're embarrassed. Purposes. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But it's a border town, and it's it's small. And I think you grow up with the the culture around us is that you don't you don't you don't showboat and you don't brag and it's frowned upon to be 
proud of certain shit, I guess you you could say like no sounds muy chingon kind of Yeah. So uh, I think it stems from that. I just never thought that my techno mixes were good enough for public consumption. Okay. And it's funny because I, I've talked to other DJs um, that have come up and that's also, uh, it's like a common trait that they also share with me. It's, it's really strange. Um, but it just, I, I sent it out and it took, uh, you know, obviously it fell on really very refined ears and they liked it. And mm-hmm. that kind of gave me the validation that I, you know, it's super shot. I was super shocked. They're like, Oh yeah. Like they want, they want this. Like yeah. they want me to, can we cuss on this? Yeah. 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 I don't give a fuck. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They fucked with my sound and I was like, yeah. okay, well fuck it. Like I'll, I'll play live for these guys. Like, yeah. And I was so nervous. It, you know, I didn't even mention the, that first time I went on, I had recorded everything and only played on a, on a DJ 400 that I still own, by the way. That's like my little travel kit <laughs> when I need a DJ on the river or on the side, go anywhere. <laughs> um, no exposure to um, CDJs. And that was my first time touching CDJs. And I still have the recording. It's on my SoundCloud. We'll share that later. But the very first show is still up there. And, it, and I, honestly, I hear it sometimes and I get chills because I remember the crowd being just crazy. Like, the crowd was going wild and you know i had good drops in there i had a good track selection it was a little i mean it's obviously so different than what i sound like now but yeah it was it was a rave man i made a rave i got there good so you made an impression you know that's what fucking matters yeah i remember i got asked to go backstage and talk to you know rob and lex and and that was a big deal uh to me at the time because i i had only ever met them through seeing them dj and uh um yeah arsenal my buddy of mine arsenal came up and said hey we need to see you in the back and i said holy shit like, yeah i got tapped you know i got tapped on the shoulder <laughs> let's go but yeah it was awesome they were just like hey man we loved your set you kind of saved the show um let's start coming around more we'll we'll like talk and you know eventually they asked me to work with them and i was like it was a no-brainer at that point yeah you know? so Sounds like a opportunity you can't miss, you know. Wouldn't blame you for taking that chance. But for all the young DJs, just send your mixes out. That's we were. I think as DJs, you tend to be a perfectionist and all that, and then just just don't. I don't know. Shit. Just, just be confident. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, uh, Gasly and Salud. Yes, um, I remember Gasly. Um, he packed up from the Phoenix area left his family farm and lived out of his van in San Diego was just handing mixtapes out to everybody to pick him up, you know, and that's how he yeah. made his name. And now he's a fucking global superstar. So, you know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Take your it's, chance. It's, it's wild. Um, and obviously my, my story is not unique. I guess that there's a lot of people that kind of started that way, but I, I mean, there's, I've heard some crazy stories too. that Like, strange ways that you can make it just got to be in the right place right time and take a shot you gotta be determined you know oh yeah yeah so the other thing too is uh you mentioned changing dramas is or genres sorry is um how do you feel about djs that actually do change their draw uh their genres 
uh, let's say, for instance, uh, TSO going to Terrence to a big room? So that's a good question. I I think I don't I don't blame any DJ for changing dramas. Uh, uh, sorry, genres. It um, especially those like so Tiesto was established at the time, um, and they sort of need to follow the trend because they live off of the money that they make out of music, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's difficult. So you sort of switch your sound, you you change your sound a bit. To what's going to bring people in the door. Um, the music industry has changed so much since we were kids. That now it's like ticket Absolutely. sales. It's all about. You know. Uh, yeah, your streams are free basically. Yeah. For everybody. So now. It's how do I get people through the door. And buy merch. Uh, merch mm-hmm. obviously is great. But the ticket sales is where. You know big name DJs make. Their living. And so. As the genre shift, I, you know, I've seen a lot of my favorite artists go, go that way. Um, yeah, they just they just switch from. I've seen some people leave techno and do something else, and I've seen them come mm-hmm. back to techno, and it's just like, oh, they're back. They're making techno. Like a, this is, this is awesome because I want to see how their sound has evolved. You know, and yeah, Tiesto's great, man. Tiesto's old school, um, older Trans. than you and I. Yeah. And been producing for a long time, but uh, yeah, his his stuff is just—he doesn't put out um, shitty music. It's just always good because he's still a good producer, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, you know. But they—I mean, I understand, especially bigger names switching from genre to genre. Yeah. Um. So, given that on that topic or speaking about that topic, a lot of the the uh, the bigger. Uh, DJs and producers uh, tend to do like a weekly uh, podcast. Uh, would you be interesting in like switching up your music or like picking your hits from like the biggest techno players at the moment? N- uh, no, uh, it's a little different. So I don't really know. Like I'm not, I don't know how other genres do it, but in techno, at least with the techno that um, techno snobs uh, preaches and, and teaches where we really pride ourselves with the underground sound. And so um, part of what we want to provide in the community is that if you come to my show, if you come to a Cali show and you see a set from Cali mm-hmm. that you won't hear that music ever again, at least for a while. Yeah. Unless you go to another underground show, because we we really do want to dig the crates, find sounds that you just won't hear um, anywhere else. So I do applaud um, and listen to a lot of podcasts and and uh, popular techno DJs mix online. I love that stuff. Sometimes it just inspires me to look for similar sounds, but I'd never really, one of my goals is to not play the same sh- shit that someone else is playing. Right. That's what's going to make me unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want to send out. Yeah. And a lot of my peers in technical snobs um, pretty much feel the same way. It's 
So it's good to stand out, you know, make a scene, make, make something different, you know, that doesn't, you know, typically gets touched on, which leads into the next question here is we've talked before, usually a day or two before uh, your show, since I've been going to a couple of your shows uh, and you always tell me I'm practicing, you know, for the next gig. So do you find yourself after doing a gig or uh, before doing a gig, I'm sorry, while you're practicing to uh, make any tweaks or adjustments uh, before the show or the day of the show? Oh, hundred percent, dude. I do it all the time. I, I mean, even my last set, I added two new tracks, like four hours before I was supposed to leave my house. Sorry, four hours before the show, like the hour that I was supposed to leave my house to make it to the, well, I I always get there a little early, but to make it to the show and do my, my pre-show things and yeah. And and I, I I need to be better at that because I I noticed that the one one of the two tracks that I played I sort of made a mistake on because I didn't f- I didn't listen to the whole thing I was like mm-hmm. oh this sounds really cool and I kind of like transitioned into it fine but I couldn't transition out like I I kind of got like I did it obviously I transitioned out it sounded okay but had I known track better how and where it went I could have done a better job but I don't know it's the element of surprise uh also to the audience also for me because I want to be entertained with it too I don't want to be bored with what I'm playing you know so sometimes yeah last minute like adding I'm gonna play this I'm gonna play that and literally the set is on the fly I don't plan anything I might have a playlist of what I want to play that night how I want to sound but I can jump around to different playlists, to older older tracks or something different. Like I, I you got to go with what the crowd wants, you know. Yeah, as someone who uh does do a lot, a lot of live mixing and you do catch yourself in a mistake, how do you try to uh recover from the mistake and not make it seem like the crowd caught it? Yeah, so it's a good question. <laughs> I would, back as a rookie, I would literally scream, oh, shit, like during my sets. Because <laughs> I, I just a reaction. I don't even think I thought to do that. Um, but nowadays, uh, I imitate part of what I learned. I used to be a, a, band, a band geek back in the day, and it was just like, if you make a mistake, just try to keep going, and nobody's going to notice. I think a lot of pro players, like like the like actually rock stars, do that too, where they just fuck up and keep going. And most of the time, the listeners don't notice. Only you and maybe like a really good DJ in the crowd notices, or like your friend listening, like <laughs> yeah, caught it, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I the last show you were at, I made two to three mistakes and i was i was just like shit i mean you gotta roll with the punches i'm alive like i can't yeah. just shut down right now i gotta just fix this as soon as i can and keep the show going man and usually i recover really well if we're a pretty bad one but yeah man it happens every time i make about i'm averaging two mistakes per show per hour i guess that's not say. bad yeah that means you recovered and you learned pretty fucking well i've had <laughs> some good ones where it was just like one and i'm like yeah like I, that's awesome <laughs> and i've you know 
we'll show one of uh i'm gonna we're gonna play a mix after this right so yeah, yeah. that's one yeah we are I'll, we'll showcase i guess uh the mix where i only have like one little mistake and you can't really hear it so yeah also uh with live shows being a thing how do you feel or what's your opinion on people who uh pre-record sets and then play them you know live joel aka dead mouse had his opinion so what's your opinion on that? yeah that's a good question i i think in the local scene it's unacceptable you shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that as a local guy showcasing i understand bigger djs why they do it when you're on the biggest stage in the world on edc ultra these things i mean there's so much writing on this set that's going to live online forever that yeah i get it you you pre-recorded you can go up there and play around and you know you could uh, i don't think that you could tell even as a experienced dj that that's pre-recorded if you're that far away from the stage anyway but if i'm close i can tell i've i've seen it happen before mm-hmm. i've actually seen a guy in an underground warehouse play a pre-recorded set that he set up in ableton or if it wasn't ableton it was yeah it, you could tell it just was it was strange the dude was just there dancing on stage played the one hit play once and then just never touched the the controllers or the or the mixer at all and it was just so weird like, it was and a the, weird thing and people were digging it up and like oh my god um honestly no for that one it, you can't so part of being a dj you you have to adjust your set to to engage with the crowd and i don't mm-hmm. think he could he didn't have that option because he it was all pre-recorded so um yeah, he kind of lost the crowd for a bit, and like you know, people would come in and out of that room, and like, oh, okay, like vibe for a bit. But yeah, it it just it just doesn't sound good. You gotta like yeah, you gotta go with what the crowd wants. You gotta change it up if they're not dancing. You gotta fucking step it up. Um, you know, how do you read the vibe if no one's like really digging your set, especially playing live? I'll still, I'm actually kind of still learning how to do that, to be honest. But um, my biggest indicator is if they're if they're vibing with you, um, you see movement. You see like heads go up and down, like tops of heads, like moving, moving, moving. And then this is, you know, sometimes I play in really dark rooms. Um, shout out techno snobs. Yep. <laughs> But uh, you do see movement. You see movement, movement, movement. And then all of a sudden I transition, let's say, to a, to a different track. And then, like, it, the movement stops. There's no there's no more bouncing. It's like, oh, shit, i got to mix it up. i got to change this. They didn't, the crowd didn't mm-hmm. like that. So then you start looking, all right, they liked this other thing, so I'm going to go kind of in that direction. Or I'm going to, like, drop a, a, a surprise here or something. Mm-hmm. And then most of the time that will work for me now is just like, boom, you get them back. Um, yeah, you got to read the crowd, man. It's, uh, it, I, the only way you can do that is to play live. Um, and that's, that's been a lot of, uh, I, I, a lot of my advice lately to, to, to up and coming DJs is like, yeah. hey, how do I improve my, dude, you got to play live, man. You just got to play <laughs> for a crowd. Cause it's, it's, it's tough, you know? What, um, 
you know, there's a lot of other DJs and not going to name anybody, but, uh, you know, makes you want to take other people or like give them the advice like, hey, you got to do this or that. Because some people don't want to share their, their secrets or give them advice in any way. Um, you know, I haven't really experienced that. I've seen, um, at least in techno, uh, they've, a lot of my mentors have shared a lot with me. Uh, and I, I'm, uh, maybe I'm different. I'm, I'm a little quirky and nerdy. Um, but I, I will notice some of the tricks, uh, that, that experienced DJs are doing and I'm like oh shit I didn't think of that I didn't think of using echo mm-hmm. here I didn't think of you know cutting off the bass and then coming in like but I'll just watch their hands and I'm like oh I know I kind of know what they're doing and I'm like oh, I'm gonna try that at home at some point and some of that stuff I have implemented in 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 my set it's like that's kind of how that uh, you adapt as a DJ that's why I think that you never really saw being a student you, you're always learning yeah, you're and adapting always learning. to your to like your style yeah so um any podcasters listening uh john berthal he has a great podcast where he just kind of writes notes goes off the cuff and that's fucking great so check that out uh not affiliated with him but go check it out but also uh with the music scene here in arizona uh, you know what's it like bringing uh the underground back to arizona oh man it's awesome dude I, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how it's hard to, hard, it's hard to describe because it's something that, um, my collective and I have tried to bring back for such a long time. We've been mm-hmm. working at this for five years. Um, for five? Um, yeah. Techno Snobs was founded in 2017. Wow. And, I've been lucky enough to be involved for three years now uh, mm-hmm. of those five. So, but it's just, um, yeah, it's it's insane, man. Like we're we're really bringing what blending what we see in Europe and what the warehouse type of vibe started as in the U.S. and providing a shows where we have this unmatchable vibe and music and safe space and um and quality of uh DJs and talent um into the valley and it it's just uh yeah I sometimes I uh, I'll look at the show that I'm experiencing Mm-hmm. And I get emotional looking at holy crap. This is these are our speakers. These is our this is our crowd. Mm-hmm. Nobody's on their phones. That's one of the things you'll notice yeah. if you come to a techno snob show. Nobody's on their phone recording, and like you forget how much that takes you out of the moment when there's a screen like two or three, four feet away from you, and blocking your view from like what's actually happening. And right. So like. It's one of our little quirks that we try to preach that oh no no phones on the dance floor we can you can use your phone anywhere else but just the dance floor is sacred you know for us so yeah yeah it's crazy um, I had only experienced that kind of vibe in Europe uh, when I was out there uh, 
doing some other stuff and, and going to shows, but we actually brought that to the U.S. to Arizona, to be yeah. honest. And so it, it's crazy, man. It's it's very uh, rewarding, but it's also uh, it's hard. <laughs> we, <laughs> we put a lot of hard work into it. Dude, so. It shows Thank that. You. Undisclosed location is uh, fucking great. It's a great venue and, you know, never felt more welcome or at peace than that show prior, you know, or have gone to before. I would say undisclosed locations, we're not, um, we, we, we do rotate every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, never, you'll never find out unless you buy your ticket day of and, you know, what should you like they say, fuck around and find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, what is um like? What's the biggest accomplishment that you've ever had with uh, DJing and being part of techno snobs? Shit. Biggest accomplishment. I think it was. I think it was. Playing direct support for some of my favorite artists. I'm but, sorry, you're gonna have to uh, describe that to me. Direct support. Yeah, so direct support. We we do distinguish between openers and direct support. So direct support is when you're you're right before the featured artist. So you're actually um, directly affecting the vibe of the room. The the energy and you're setting them up for in order for the um, headliner to shine his best when you hand them over the decks you hand them over the keys to the party so it, it is it's a distinguished a little bit more than just opener yeah that makes sense so you're like Fuck whoever says if uh, you aren't redlining, you aren't headlining, you know, like kick that guy out, you know, that sort of thing. No, we don't redline the headline. Exactly. So fuck that guy out, you know, kick him out. But um, (laughs) being direct support, it's a little more pressure because you have to control the energy in the room to um, not go too crazy too early but play bangers and still like sound good and to still set up a good mood for the person you want to compliment the headliner you know Mm -hmm. and the headliner comes in and and the best ones like are so stoked that they're going after you because the crowds are ready to rock you know and they're gonna take them and they're gonna rock them and your your job isn't so much to um rock the house even though you can rock the house it's just you get to control the energy you bring it in waves you rock the house for like 10 minutes and then you bring it down to like something a little slower a little bit more melodic and then you go right back into boom 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 you know and yeah but then the, the headliner can just go crazy and then that's what the crowd has been waiting for the whole exactly time, so. but you're building them up you know it's a good warm-up that's what yeah. warm-up is and it, it's an art man i haven't fully mastered it I've, i know some guys on our team that are masters at that shit it's yeah. awesome and uh yeah I, I look forward to, to seeing a lot of them uh warm up sometimes it's, it's fucking sick dude if you could change anything in your style would you 
my style of yeah i think i would i think i would there's a certain sound i'm chasing right now that i can't kind of i can't quite nail and yeah i think i think to be honest i think every artist would answer the same is that or with the exception of maybe some people but yeah i'm always looking for um I don't even know how to explain these sounds, man. I'd have to like play some shit. Wow, wow. Not kidding. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, there's a certain sound I, I, I keep chasing. I, I find some tracks. I put them in a special playlist. Um, I I think I'm at the point where I need to double down on my producing more and, and start to really crank out and sound design the things that I want to uh, hear. And I yeah. want to hear it through speakers, and I want to hear that the bass hits a certain way. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's an ever-evolving thing. I mean, you always said that uh, Charlie DeWitt is one of your biggest influences. So, is that how you you want your uh, bass to hit a certain way, or like the spinbacks? Well, Charlotte DeWitt was a big influence when I started. Um, and that she she did yeah she did sort of uh, I do I did pick up some of her backspin stuff uh, or I guess that skill kind of by watching her mm-hmm. I don't do them as much anymore I'm a little more technical I try to be a little more technical with my sound um, I guess I I still will if it's appropriate but yeah no I'm a little bit more into um, my influences are A.O. Cram right now. He's a guy out of Spain. Uh, shout out to Marco. He's a good dude. Um, uh, MSNR. He's from uh, uh, Germany, from Berlin. He's kind of an underground guy out there. Really dark kind of sounds, but dark the deeper. Bad, oh, though. yeah, dude. It's awesome. Um, Bass really hits you. Yeah. And uh, Henry Brooks, when he plays live, it's insane, dude. Like, Henry Brooks is nuts. So, right, right now, I'm kind of on on that kind of kick. Like, they play fast, almost hypnotic. Um, it's still hard, though, which is hard to explain. Like, it's it's hypnotic, heady, and hard. Yeah, uh, Lindsay Herbert. If you can never, if you ever get a chance to look her up, Lindsay Herbert just got some awesome live sets online, YouTube, SoundCloud. She's awesome. She's great, and she's also local. She's oh one nice. of our great yeah influences. So, go ahead and burp. Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so one of the biggest things um, I've been curious about: how did the uh, name Gawi come to life oh good question dude so i always lie and i say that it's a left talon of a flightless bird i'm not kidding <laughs> i say that to so many people but no it's not it's a it's a shortened version of my nickname from college okay and the nickname from college was kawamon yeah it would <laughs> it means kawam well, I'm actually drinking one. Kawama. Right? I'm literally drinking one right now. <laughs> Kawama, Kawamon is like a, a little bit bigger in Mexico. Uh, 40 a 40 ounce. ounce. 40 yeah. ounce. 
I used to drink a lot back then. And hey, who didn't in college? You know what I mean? So, Todos. We all did. Yeah, we all did. So, um, I don't know. I never, I never take myself too serious. And I thought, like, when I started DJing, I would just shorten that to like uh, some people used to call me Cowies, like, as, like it was like a Q version. So I'll just shorten it to Cowie. I don't know. No, it's working. I think uh, people like yeah. the name, and they like the stickers. I got stickers. If you ever run into me, I'll give you a sticker. And or you know me. I'll hand you stickers too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The fanboys, fangirls. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and ask: best musicals that you've gone to, or music festivals? I'm sorry. Oh, music festival. There's been quite a few. Uh, a couple pop up in my head. So, Crossed, San Diego, 2020, right before the pandemic was probably the most impactful festival I've ever been to in my life. I think uh, that's right before, like, I think that the experience is in and outside of that festival inspired me to take DJing serious. It was fucking nuts, dude. Like, Is that like where you learned a lot of your uh, fucking uh, techniques that you're doing now? No, no, not exactly. So I, I think what what caused this whole snowball effect was um, that festival was unique because it didn't the first day it started there was a pre-party and it was a, it was at Nora and pure pre-party. Whoa. On a, how? Hold on. On a boat. <laughs> on a, f- and we left San Diego, the Bay, we left the San Diego Bay, went out to sea and came back, dude. Yeah. And it was the craziest shit. Like I had a son, I mean the, the music wasn't crazy. It's chill, but it was the craziest party. Um, in terms of like people just, talking to each other excited for the festival Mm -hmm. that's how it started i made a fucking good homie from colorado shout out buddha buddha biggs uh he's a dj out there he goes by avenue 24 now um he's a good fucking dude we had no idea he was a dj and that he played and he was just a regular fucking guy on the ship yeah um i I ran into our buddy george there joanna yeah two of my best shout friends. out to them oh yeah they're awesome um did the whole festival ran into buddha f- several times he took us back to his beach house that night that they were all renting he turned we didn't know he was a dj he started djing crazy badass tech house at the time it was nuts dude i had the beach i had uh i, I think it technically it's uh, Mission Beach that they were at, but I, was, I had mm-hmm. Mission Beach in front of me, dude. Like I could have walked, you know, twenty meters, touched the water. It was insane, dude. It was so cool. But then I I started thinking like, hey, this guy's just a regular dude. I can fucking DJ. Like this guy just fucking mm-hmm. does the same shit I do. Like yeah, I could I could be a real fucking. He's played some festivals and shit. Like I'll do this shit. Yeah, and that's there. Here I am later, dude. I, I've already played. Doing. Yeah, I played Full Moon. That was awesome. Full Moon Festival was dope. Which is local, but I mean, yeah. I th- you have a fucking 
We'll get you name drop on a festival. Yeah. You're gonna be headlining soon. I would hope so. Yeah, I just need to produce more, like like we talked about. But yeah, yeah. I want to produce more and, and and get in there. Does it make you nervous uh, to produce more content? No, quite the contrary, dude. I, I think it just excites me more because um, I feel like I have sounds in my head that I want to show the world and. The only way I can do it is to is to put them on, in Ableton, which we're recording in right now. Shout out Ableton, yeah. I guess, uh, and um, and get them through. You know my techno mentors um, that I have out there that are that are producers that have been producing for a long time. Uh, another shout out to, to Pleasures Techno, uh, and um, yeah, my buddy Fixin from Playa del Carmen. Yeah, those guys are fucking awesome, and uh, they they make good techno. They make proper shit and run their own labels too. So yeah. So, do you, do you see yourself doing this uh, like for the next couple of years? Uh, yeah, I do. I I get too much joy out of it. I I'm I'm too happy doing this. I feel like. Um, I don't know, man. It's addicting to play f- live for people. Uh, they they show up for me. They they fuck with me. They they introduce me to more people. They wanna. There there are some big supporters that'll show me off when they bring someone new to see me, and it's it's weird. Like I'm not used to that because, like you know, I you and I know like we're not like it's not cool to <laughs> from where we're from. It's not cool to to brag about that stuff yeah be humble and shit you know yeah Yeah. frowned upon so i don't know man it's i've had a lot of fun with it it's it's fucking awesome and i mean i i I don't have any plans to stop you know if um you could absolutely change up your genre what do you think it would be oh fuck. that was closer sorry i do I have thought about this before. I think I would try to bring back Hard House. Because I started with Hard House. It's so similar to techno in a way. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of died off a little bit. Uh, You don't really hear people mixing hard house anymore and and they had so many cool elements to it that are prevalent in techno yeah it's just a lot more vocals i would say and just heavy fucking bass like almost the way that hardstyle tries to do or i shouldn't say tries just almost the way that hardstyle does it but it's just different but techno is my baby man that's my my bread and butter um i like drum and bass too but i think i would try to bring back if i had to switch today i would try to bring back hard house we've covered so much through uh throughout this interview if you could give your younger self any piece of advice what would that advice be oh man good question um You know, I think it's, I'm already a confident guy, but I think it would be, um, 
to be confident not only in your logical shit that you do every day, but um, in your creative stuff. You know, as meticulous as you are with your logical stuff, um, your career, all this shit, you know, uh, know that you're as meticulous with your creative. And so I would have wanted to share creative stuff earlier um, than I have. And yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I had, um, I don't know that I had identified that lack of confidence early to to show off, you know, mixes or, or DJ skills or all these things that like maybe like could have held me back from jumping on the techno scene earlier. Uh, I also, um, yeah. I wish I would have started DJing way, way earlier. <laughs> I wish I could have started as early as I could because I didn't know I was going to like it this much. Yeah. So, yeah. So, any closing statements you want to give everybody else? And uh, if you have any upcoming shows, do you want to promote anything? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's uh, just uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm at tinoblast underscore cowie. That's uh, T-I-N-O-B-L-A-S underscore K-A-U-W-Y on Instagram. Honestly, if you just type in Cowie, you'll find me um, in the search button. And follow Technosnobs, Technosnobs AZ on Instagram. And you'll see all of our underground shows coming up. Um... We're trying to keep the underground alive. We bring in a lot of people. Um, stay in tune. We got nine 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 nines coming in uh, in November. Uh, a lot of headliners. Um, hit us up. We have, you know, in my opinion, the best parties. Uh, so nothing to lose there. Yeah, and we have uh, Geek Network crossing over techno snobs. Because they're helping us out as well. So thank you so much. Honestly, can't say a whole lot. So thank you so much for being a part of this. No, yeah, we thank you too.